Hey, if I told you you should build a taste for tribulation, you'd probably say I was out of my mind. If I told you you needed to build up a tolerance for trials, tragedy, trauma, adversity, setbacks, opposition, disappointment, you'd say I was crazy. But you know the Bible talks about think of various tests you encounter as occasions for joy, as it says in James 1, verse 2. To me, it seems like a little bit of an oxymoron not to mock or chastise the Bible at all. But on the surface, at face value, to consider joy in trials sounds a little crazy. Sounds a little counterintuitive, if you ask me. But as people, as strong people, as leaders, as protectors, providers, um, we've got to develop a taste for tribulation. So that's what I'm going to call this episode, a taste for tribulation. You know, an acquired taste is something that is developed over time, but you've got to really press through some of the discomfort and distastefulness in the beginning, because obviously if it's an acquired taste, you didn't have it to begin with. It's not innate for you to accept that particular taste. It's not palatable in that moment unless you acquire a tolerance for it. So I, as we go through this COVID pandemic and, you know, season of physical unrest throughout the medical community, throughout the uh, just humanity in general. We got COVID here in our family, and I, to this day, have had issues with taste and smell. And I have to basically go into every um, culinary encounter with low expectations. And so I've built up a tolerance for not having my true taste. And it's been a challenge. And let me tell you, it's been a little disappointing and, and quite frankly, on the verge of depressing sometimes because of how much I enjoy food. But my palate just isn't what it used to be. But I can tell you, it has created somewhat of a thick skin when it comes to just knowing what I should expect um, from meal to meal and really realizing that, you know, on a small scale, you know, food is what it is. It's not a, you know, live to eat, but eat to live. And I've started to embrace that theory a little bit more. Um, but to my point is we can all develop a taste or a tolerance for something if we embrace that discomfort and embrace the toil is what I've heard people say. So when we build an affinity for something, it strengthens us through the process and it is less than desirable in those early stages. But the more we experience that discomfort or some of those setbacks the more we sink our feet into unpleasant situations or circumstances because they are going to come 
regardless of how prepared we are for them or the satisfaction we derive or don't derive from them. So it's about becoming accustomed to a state of mind that sets in whenever you have a setback. So I say all that to say it's just about building a tolerance for tribulation, a taste for tribulation, something that you may not ordinarily naturally gravitate to. Nobody likes pain. Nobody likes adversity. Nobody likes opposition. Certainly don't like tragedy or trauma or catastrophe. And I don't wish that on anybody. I don't wish that on myself. I don't think I need to prove that I'm a strong person with broad shoulders just because I can undergo and overcome and withstand a certain tragedy in my life. I don't want that. What I'm here to tell you is in our daily lives, within the boundaries of what is, you know, physically, uh, physically what we're able to withstand, I should say, you know, within the, the realm of reasonable, I'm talking about trials in your job, trials in your relationships, maybe even in your finances, tribulation in a situation with a child, situation with a friend, physically, as you begin to embark on this whole physical training, let's say, in order to be a capable human being, uh, there are some things that are going to stretch you. It's going to stretch me. We have to build a tolerance for the heat, for the friction, for the pain, for the stretch, for the expansion of our capacity, whether it's intellectually, physically, spiritually, relationally, professionally, financially, whatever. It's There's going to be pain in growth. We talk about this. And I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I also kind of do want to beat a dead horse because I don't believe the horse is really dead. I believe we still have this thing rearing its ugly head in our lives because we don't like pain. So we haven't put that issue to bed within ourselves yet because even in my own life, certain things catch me off guard or by surprise. And then I am not always in a mental space to handle it because I haven't developed a taste for tribulation. It doesn't mean I seek tribulation, right? If I have a taste for it, it doesn't mean I seek it. It's I know how to recognize it. It's the fact that it doesn't taste as bitter as it used to. It's not a poison anymore because I know how to stand in the face of it. I know how to wash it down with courage, strength, resilience, my faith. So I can wash it down, right? It doesn't create this lump in my throat that it used to. So this tribulation thing that's going to come at us in life, it is going to happen. 
we develop a taste for it by being prepared and being expectant of the fact that things are not always going to be rainbows and roses. So that's what I want to say about just acquiring a taste. Because I believe we can. I believe you can become accustomed to just about anything with repetition, with the right mindset, with a resilience. I believe we can embrace some of the burn, if you will. And so that's what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about a taste for tribulation. We're here to talk about just building that stamina, building that endurance, building that tolerance. Because if you don't, who is in your sphere of influence? Are you waiting for somebody else to do it? Somebody has to. Or the family unit will implode. Your spiritual sphere of accountability will implode. If somebody doesn't step up and understand how to lead in the face of adversity, how to swallow this bitterness, this taste for discomfort, for trial, for adversity, if somebody doesn't do that, Society, in general, is going to implode. And we're already seeing it because you're seeing a manifestation of enough people not willing to have a taste for it. So we're going through other avenues. We're, we're leaning on other outlets. We're, we're running toward gender reclassification or more pronouns than anything else in the English language. And we're running toward the left, all the way left. We're running toward just some of the most heinous and egregious sin and darkness that you have seen in years. We're heading toward division. We're heading toward racial discord, right? Political unrest, of course, to, to cap it all off. But no, that, that shows me that we're, we're not willing to develop a taste for discomfort or tribulation because we're willing to trade that in for something else that fills the void, something that fills that discomfort. We're willing to run towards something easy. And I hope you and I hope myself will develop this taste for tribulation so that we don't implode any further. So what I also want to talk about here in this, this outline, this discussion, uh, I want to talk about weathering the weather. The W-H-E-T-H-E-R. So weathering the weather the the factor of i'm not swayed by a circumstance 
in regards to my resilience, my strength, my, what defines me, my character. Circumstances don't move me is what I want us to be able to say. The whether or not somebody does what I need them to do will determine how I act. The whether or not I get the promotion is going to determine whether I operate in character and integrity or not. Whether or not my spouse responds to me in a way that I think they should. So how do I carry myself when I weather the weather? Whether or not it feels good. So that's a big one. When it comes to operating in full integrity, it it's a non-negotiable factor of the whether or not something goes smoothly my way or something goes in my favor the way that I wanted it to go. Weathering the weather means I do it whether or not it is smooth sailing. And that to me helps as we try to develop this taste for tribulation. Like in my life, when things are going smoothly, full disclosure, I'm kind of in a state of not so comfortable anyway, because I just, I, I want to be prepared for when something goes awry. So really this weathering the weather factor could expand into a different capacity and context by whether or not things are smooth, I'm still prepared for some sort of, maybe not chaos, but some sort of challenge, some obstacle, some opposition. And you're probably saying to yourself, wow, you can't ever let yourself relax or enjoy a moment. And I would say to you, I can enjoy a moment but I also enjoy it for what it is in that moment. And then I'm still focused almost in my uh, emotional peripheral. I am still head on a swivel where I'm not too high or too low. And that allows me to stay on an even keel for when unexpected happens, which is almost expected. I don't know if somebody out there can relate to that because it sounds really odd, but I also know that weathering that weather factor keeps it on terms of unconditional. So my state of mind is not conditional to my surroundings. I get there 
mentally in that headspace that I need to be in to handle tribulation. Again, this taste for tribulation. I get in a headspace that allows me that steady state, whether or not things are good. So that might be something you needed to hear. It might be something you think is ridiculous. But I also know that there's an element of truth that I've lived and I'm passing on to you. And there's an element of reality that you need to probably wrap your brain around when it comes to what I just said. Whether you agree with it or not doesn't make it less true. So anyway, whether or not I am affirmed or validated, whether or not I am promoted at my job, whether or not I lose the 10 pounds in the week that I wanted to, whether or not I have a financial surplus this month, I'm going to do the things that I know I need to do with my body, with my job, with my spouse, with my finances in my relationships with my kids, I'm going to do it anyway, whether or not that behavior is reciprocated. So anyway, moving along, I think that was worth spending some time on. So weathering the weather. So we talked about an acquired taste. We talked about weathering the weather. I want to talk about herd immunity right now. Herd immunity. What you hear, see, I had you. You thought I really meant like the herd of buffalo, like people, the herd, you know, it's this herd immunity, H-E-A-R-D. Who are you listening to? Are you depending on others to develop your taste for tribulation? If you're depending, depending on somebody else and what you hear to build up your tolerance. You're a hamster on a wheel. There's no destination for you here. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. It's a, it's not a hopeful situation. If you're depending on someone else's voice to determine your taste for tribulation, for your tolerance for this thing we call setbacks, life, disappointment, adversity. So who are you listening to? I mean, believers that listen to this, Christians, hopefully are hearing. The Bible says, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So hopefully we're all in our Word in our Bibles, in prayer, and hopefully we're hearing from the Holy Spirit and we're having that impression within us to make certain choices and to deal with setbacks in that way. Hopefully we know how to cut out the voice pollution because there's plenty of it. Sometimes we have this pollution that we hear around us that is giving us just awful advice on how to deal with things in a general context. Not maybe personally, but we're, we see what 
people are saying out there on social media, oh, well, if you don't like your spouse, you know, hey, it's perfectly normal to go find somebody else that gives you what you need. Or, oh, you know, you've tried it this way for so many years, doing the right thing at your job, and it's just not paying the bills. So, you know, you, you might want to just go get a side gig that maybe compromises your integrity. Uh, you're cheating the system in some way. Hey, nobody's going to know if you're skimming a little off the top. So, you know, Hey, we've created this line in the sand of situational ethics that whatever works for us in that moment seems to be how we deal with stuff. Our coping mechanisms are a dumpster fire nowadays because we are so intolerant of these things that are uh, disappointing in opposition to us, resistance. We feel like we're going upstream, so man, we're gonna we're gonna cut this corner because we just don't have a taste developed for how to handle it the right way. So it rubs us. Almost like, you know, rubbing against the grain of a, a dog's fur. You know, it just, we're going against the grain. And when we do that, it, it doesn't feel right. So then we, we opt out for, we opt out in the clause of our contract with, with our character. We opt out in the, the integrity part, you know. And I mean, I'm, I'm guilty in, in my past life uh you know i this before before i really understood the ramifications and the character uh that was required i i i you know i had times where i cut corners or i you know uh there was i, I created this gray area in my life where i could justify anything to myself really so if there's voice pollution out there in the general population, it really boils down to what narratives we're believing, what stories we're being allowed to tell about our solution, our situation. It boils down to what, what resilience basics are we clinging to? What is our baseline for developing this taste and for weeding out the, the pollution and the noise? So that's herd immunity. What are you hearing? What are you allowing to speak into your life? What are you allowing to speak to you as you're up on this ledge that is Trials, tribulations, setbacks, oppositions, adversity. What, what do you, when you're up on this ledge, metaphorically speaking, of course, and, and life is coming at you and you're developing this taste and tolerance for it, what are you listening to? So it's important to deflect, defend against it and deflect it. So then finally, we're going to talk about currency against the current. So 
physical currency, relational currency, spiritual currency. Those things within you that you're allowing to be the currency that you invest in, right? So we're going against the current. And this sounds maybe sounds like a stretch to you that I'm that I'm pulling out this currency comparison, but we all have these bank accounts. We all have these physical bank accounts, relational bank accounts go down the line, right? We're either at a surplus or a deficit. And as we go against the current, we're going to need to tap into some of those resources. And if you're not physically able, by taking care of your body every day, stretching your capacity to grow physically so that you're capable to do the things you need to do, right? The Life's going to come at you. We don't know what you're going to need to do physically. We don't know what you're going to need to defend or to rise up against with force. I mean, we've got to be in a position to be capable if the situation arises. I think that's pretty straightforward. But what about our relational currency? What about the people we're investing in? Are we at a relational deficit? Is our family and our marriage in disarray? Do we have none of those close-knit core guys that can be your accountability structure? Do we have any of those? What's that bank account look like? Spiritually, what in you is driving you? What, what's making you stand up in the face of these trials or of these challenges in life? What, what spiritually do you stand on? In my life, I've done it different ways, and I, I, I know that when I am devoted to the first hour of my day is devoted to prayer and reading. And if I do that, I'm very much more equipped when that taste of tribulation hits me. When that flavor isn't so favorable, I can rise up by the power of the Holy Spirit and what's in me from that morning. You know, I can purge some of that bitter taste out of my mouth, if you will. And I can stand up in the face of those situations. But spiritually, if we're at a deficit and we're literally spiritually bankrupt, like I, I know that life will eat you up because I've been there. I know what it's like to be staring down the barrel of that proverbial spiritual gun of falling short in that area. And it's not a fun place to be because then when you're in that situation, you're, you're scrambling. You're scrambling for pennies in the couch cushions, if you will, so to speak. 
if we're talking about currency. But no, I if if you're if if you're making the list of the areas that you need to maintain a surplus of currency in, not just finances, then swimming upstream becomes tolerable. Going against the current becomes sustainable. So that's my encouragement is write down those areas. Give yourself a grade on a scale of one to five, five being the best you can be, the surplus among surpluses. Rate yourself, grade yourself, get an idea where you stand, be honest, and then make investments to reap the rewards and the return on those investments in your spiritual, physical, relational, professional life. So that's what we do to develop a taste for tribulation. These are the things we've talked about that will absolutely empower us, empower us to, as it says, like I read at the beginning, consider it joy when we encounter tests. You can put in anything you want in the place of tests, trials, tragedy, tribulation, adversity, disappointment, setbacks. We can count it joy because A, we know we have a Father in Heaven that never leaves us, and B, we know He's gifted us to withstand these things challenges in life so figure out how to get those taste buds rolling be prepared be equipped to withstand when things get bitter and that taste gets almost intolerable build up your tolerance for it be blessed 